This is Ned Ryan, and welcome to The Right Side, Episode 6. Today I want to talk about uh, my newest op-ed that ran at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, called In Defense of Masculinity. And to kind of just have a conversation with me and and kind of guide the conversation, I've asked Mike Morrison, who's Director of Communications for American Majority, to join the podcast. So, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Ned. Always glad to join on and talk with you. So, Mike, I mean, fire away, because this has actually been kind of a little surprising, in some ways surprising, in some ways not surprising, uh, at the positive response I've gotten from writing this piece. Right. It sounded like it was something that, that really needed to be said, but you know, what, what made you think to write this piece in the first place? Why did you, uh, you go this direction at all? I, I think part of it was, as I started reading more and more, you know, we're in, a, we're in a situation where we're seeing more of the Harvey Weinstein and the Al Frankens and the John Conyers and the Charlie Roses and, I mean, what are we up to, 60, 70, some people in Hollywood. This whole era of sexual harassment, I would argue, sexual predators who have really abused uh, the women around them. And but what really struck me is, first of all, I was I'm happy to see this happen. I I think it's high time not only in Hollywood, but also in Washington, D.C. You know, the Band-Aids are pulled off and we have this conversation. But what started to really worry me in the last couple of weeks is that, you know, again, the feminists were going to go after and say, well, because of behavior like this, all men are bad. Um, And they started really using that term toxic masculinity. And so I really wanted to take it head on and say, you're, you're missing the point here that this toxic masculinity of which you speak um, has nothing to do in my mind with true masculinity and how men should actually treat women. And I just kind of started to explore those ideas. And, I, and one of the things, Mike, that I really started to think about, toxic masculinity in my mind is a creation of the left. It is a creation of Hollywood and the media. Wait, so how does that fall? I, I mean, a lot of folks in the media are saying that it's this uh, execution of masculinity, that it's people who are, you know, exerting these manly urges to abuse the people around them. How does, how do you figure that it's not that way at all? So I, I wrote about this a little bit in the piece, um, that after decades and decades of conditioning by Hollywood and the media to treat women as objects, and they've done the subjectifying in, in film and print, they've really normalized abhorrent behavior again and again and again. My, my response back to them is you have conditioned society in many ways to objectify people. You have created this toxic masculinity, which is, again, taking advantage of women and treating them and, you know, it, it, objectifying them. And so I wanted to push back and say, first of all, you created toxic masculinity through your culture of objectifying both men and women. To be honest, let's be honest about it, but I really wanted to focus as a man talking about what men could actually do in response to this. And then what really started to concern me, and I didn't really flesh this out in this piece, is where we, where we could go from here, which concerns me, is that the left's response to something that they created. They created toxic masculinity. I would also call it the rapacious man. Their response to this is to now try and drive the manliness out of our boys. Mm. And this is of concern. I've got three little boys, uh, Nathaniel, James, and Hudson. Uh, Nathaniel would be 12 in February, and, and James just turned 10, and then Hudson 6. My concern is that now the left and their response to what they created, taking that manliness out of, out of boys, is really going to try and... They've been, I think they've been socially experimenting and socially engineering in the public education system for years. I would argue they don't even want our boys to be boys. I mean, we're seeing this trend now. They want our boys to be girls. And it really is, I think, in some ways, goes back to their response to what they created, again, with this toxic masculinity and objectifying women. And the other point I made, Mike, that I really want to highlight is 
I think it is, it, they're acting all horrified now, the left is. How dare these men treat women that way? My response back to them is you're being irrational. Because after people have been conditioned for decades to act in a certain way, to view the world in a certain way, it is irrational to think that they will act any differently from their conditioning. So what we're seeing is, I think, inevitable. It's almost the end result of what we've been conditioned to as a society for decades. So how is this modern kind of feminized man different than like what a historical understanding of, of manly virtues looks like? Uh, so the thing that I really wanted to stress in this was taking a look at what does it mean to be a real man and, and something that I'm really challenging and trying to work on my boys with of understanding that men have a role and a responsibility in society to protect to be those strong defenders at the same time to serve and really kind of delving into what it actually means to be a strong masculine man that takes the proper role in society. And so really just discussing some of these virtues. And, and I made the point at one, at, at one part of this piece, it's self-discipline that sets us apart from the beasts, but I would actually argue it's self-discipline that set, sets boys apart from men. Mm. And it's, it's really a part of what I think it takes to become a man. As you, as you look at the world around you, and it seeks to conform you to what it wants you to be. Again, this whole idea of, of putting out these, these social norms that I think are destructive to fight back and say, this is, this is not what I think you know, being a true man is about. It's about having self-discipline and in many ways having a certain dignity to say, I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going to be involved in that behavior. And really so, so challenging you know, those around, you know, as I'm looking at my boys, just saying, I want to train you. I want you to understand what you're going to be confronting. I don't want you to conform. I think in many ways to be a man in this, this 21st century, you have to be a nonconformist. You have to reject all of these things that are being thrown at you, whether it's, you know, again, this, this objectifying of women and, and these twisted societal norms coming out of the cultural elite in Hollywood to even saying, looking at the educational system, no. I mean, I think it's a real problem in our educational system if there are fewer and fewer chances for boys to find that personal pride and self-worth in school activities. We have to go out and say, we want you to be men. We want you to be strong at the same time. It's that whole idea of self-discipline and self-control that really sets apart you know, the, the boys from the men. So how do you think – you've mentioned schooling a lot there and the influence that schooling can have on boys as they, as they grow older. But uh, can you talk a little bit more about why schools are a bad place for for boys and how that, you know, especially public school system has, has affected. I just, I just think that the left is using them as social engineering labs. I think they're looking at them and trying again. It's, it's the, it goes back to what I said earlier. They're trying to take the boy out of boys, the manliness out of boys. And just, I am all for girl power. And this is one of the things that, that I want to stress is I'm all for awesome opportunities that women have in society. I know so many brilliant, smart, talented, intelligent women Quite frankly, to say that there's a lot, a lot of them in the world that are a lot smarter than me is to say the sky is blue. It's just an obvious thing. At the same time, I think what our education system is doing is the pendulum has swung, swung so far in the other direction that I think it's leaving the boys behind. And I'm concerned. I mean, I, I, I tweeted this out uh, today. It's almost like the left wants to keep our boys in this perpetual Peter Pan state, always boys, never men, because they fear the toxic masculinity that they created. And again, I would say beyond toxic masculinity, it's the rapacious man, the, this whole idea of just taking whatever you want, whenever you want it, despite even if somebody's saying no. So, I mean, that leads us into the next part of this conversation here is, is how do we get away from this? How do we return to this idea of manly virtue that, you know, is strong for society, is empowering for women, and that makes families and communities stronger? 
Well, I think we've got to go back, and I think we have to start really exploring and, and really trying to understand. I mean, we, we didn't get here by chance. Um, I think it's not only been this whole conditioning by Hollywood and the media as to objectifying, and again, not only women, but men. But I think in some ways, Mike, it kind of goes back to if we have been taught for years and years that we're products of chance and that we really are just a collection of objects, you know, living out our 70, 80, 90 years on this little rock spinning around the sun, it does lead to this desire for instant gratification. It leads to this kind of rapacious, you know, this is the only life there is. Might as well take everything you can right now immediately. And I think in some ways my hope is that it'll lead us to a conversation about who are we as human beings? Like, what is our purpose for existence? Um, and I would even add, you know, going back to that conversation that I think we as a society need to have. Are we really just temporary? Or are we really eternal souls? Are we immortal souls? And I think this is one of the things, too, that I think we have to have this conversation about. I think a belief of a creator and that we were created with an immortal soul and that someday we will have to face our maker leads us to live our lives in a certain way. Because someday we're all going to have to face our maker and give account of what we've done. And I think that has a huge impact, obviously, on how we live our lives and what we do or what we don't do to those around us. And I think in many ways it helps us. I, I made a point in this piece. Every day we choose to look at those around us. Do we objectify or not? Do we respect or not? Do we abuse or not? And if you realize that someday you are going to have to face a higher power, your creator, and give account for what you've done, it really does have a startling effect on how you live your life. Sure. So, you know, I'm married. I don't have kids yet. Um, but, you know, speaking for um, for younger guys that you know, are thinking about becoming fathers or that maybe have young kids at home, what kind of advice would you give to help raise a manly son? First of all, there's no perfect way to do it. I mean, I think everything, every, every kid, in fact, is, is really a unique challenge. And if somebody ever tells you that they have parenting down pat, they're lying to you. Um, I would, I would say that one of the things that I'm really trying to do, and it's kind of, it can be awkward at times is to have honest conversations with my sons, uh, about some of these issues that they're going to be confronting. I remember very clearly about a year and a half ago, having a conversation with my two older sons. I was taking them to football practice. I said, guys, I want to talk to you about sex. And the response, uh, they sat quietly for about the 10-minute the ride over. It was just a 10-minute quick chat about everything they're going to be confronting, uh, everything that's going to be thrown at them. And my 8-year-old at the time, James, in the back seat goes, this is so messed up. I can't believe we're having this conversation. And I said, you know, James, I know that's a little awkward to have it. But at the same time, these are the things that you have to have. And, you know, I walked Nathaniel to the school the other day. The school's about a half mile from our house. Just walked with him and, and had a little bit of a conversation about some of these things. But the other thing that I'm really trying to do, you know, in the mornings, you know, we have a devotional. We read out something called our daily bread. And it's, you know, it's a little reading from scripture. And then it's a reading kind of a devotional. And then what I've been really trying to do is word of the week. And so we've discussed words like, what does it mean to be noble? What does it mean to be courageous? You know, what does it mean to, to have integrity? And so trying to really discuss these words and then, you know, really take it to the next level. How do you actually apply them to your lives as you go through the day? And, and again, it's one of those things. I was, I was doing a radio interview the, just last night, actually, about this article and was having a conversation with the host about I think it is absolutely a parent's responsibility to train up their children, to, to train them what is right, what is wrong what they should be pursuing, what they shouldn't be pursuing. 
You know, at the end of the day, though, you as a parent realize and understand you can do everything right. You can do everything that you should be doing. At some point, the kids have to make a decision that that belief system is actually theirs. And for me, it took place when I was 18, 19 years old. You know, I've been raised in a very conservative home, been trained, uh, you know, just what was right, what was wrong, all these things. But it wasn't really until 18 or 19, I said, you know what, this is my belief system. Uh, and I embraced it. So, you know, my hope is that I'll, I'll do the best. Becca, my wife and I will do the best that we can to really train and raise our kids, not only to be aware of these things, to be aware of the challenges that they're going to face, but also just to know also that um, in many ways we're imperfect human beings in an imperfect world. We as parents fail every day, multiple times a day. Um, and so understand that we also have, a certain, have to have a certain amount of grace with our kids and understanding you know what? We're going to train them up. We're going to raise them up. Are they going to make mistakes? Yes. Do we love them? Absolutely. Great. Well, I think that's some awesome advice for folks, especially on the on how we take kids to the next level and, and becoming more manly. You know, and I think as as I was just thinking through, again, you only want to touch on so many subjects in a given op-ed or else people, you write a book and sure. people fall asleep. I think the next thing that I really want to explore and I hope I'll explore moving ahead is this whole idea of self-governance, that if you think about our founders and this republic, this democratic republic, or at least that's what they founded, because I'd argue we're not really in a democratic republic right now, but our founder's vision was for a democratic republic. And I think it was John Adams that said, our, this constitution is meant for a self-governing people. Mm. And how we really explore this idea that if we truly want to, to enjoy all of our freedoms in a self-governing republic, it actually involves individuals governing themselves every day. And this is one of the things that I'm, I'm working with on my kids that, you know, it, every day you're given a whole series of decisions. Are you going to be honest? Are you not going to be honest? Are you going to be courageous? Are you not going to be courageous? Are you going to do the right thing? Even if it hurts, are you going to do the right thing? And it's something, again, that this whole value system, I think, has gone away a little bit in the whole idea of, yeah, we are actually called to self-govern ourselves. We shouldn't – the more we self-govern ourselves, the more freedom we'll actually have because we won't be required to have more you know, police or whatever it is to actually enforce order in society. The more self-governing people you have, the more freedom we will have as a society. But I think it's something we've kind of lost sight of. And so I think that's one of the themes I want to explore because you know, as a lot of people have read this piece – they, uh, they've encouraged me to, to, to flesh it out a little bit more because I think there's a lot of different places it could go. So, you know, my hope is to keep exploring it. Uh, again, as I, you know, you write pieces like this, you always want people to know, you know what? It's, it's, it's something that has to be written. You realize um, that uh, it, 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 it's something that has to be discussed. And it's something, again, as I look at the left and them trying to pin all of this toxic masculinity on all men, I'm not buying what they're selling. I'm not picking up what they laid down. And I don't think that we have to. And I think it's in, in many ways incumbent upon us who have lived our lives in a very specific way to be the ones that push back and say, I'm not going to let this happen. You can't pin this on us. But let's have a conversation. I'm all for women being empowered. I'm all for women being successful. I'm all for them pursuing and becoming all that they were meant to be at the same time for the pendulum to swing so far that I think is starting to potentially leap behind the next generations of men. I, don't, I think that's very detrimental to society. And so it's something I think I'm going to be talking about a lot more moving ahead. It sounds like we really need more, more self-governing men to step up and make a stand in society. Last point I'm going to make on this. I, I, I broached this in the piece and it, it really is another concern to me with the younger generation 
as Hollywood and the media have objectified women. I think one of the real problems we as society face is this easy access to pornography for our younger men. Because then it puts the objectifying on steroids. And again, it goes back to if, if men have been conditioned that certain behavior and how they view the world is acceptable in the world around, they're going to act on that conditioning. And so between, the Holly, between Hollywood and the media and this pornography, I don't understand in many ways what we're even really discussing at this shock and horror from the left. You built this world. You made this society and culture. And now you're acting horrified at its end results. Guys like us knew this was coming, Mike. We could see this coming a mile away. And so this is in many ways inevitable what we're seeing. At the same time, it should be called out. It should be... I actually believe in, in enlightened societies. There should be ostr- You should ostracize people. People that behave this way should be ostracized. They should resign from office. Um, and then we have a conversation about what society really looks like moving forward. But, you know, interesting times we live in. Uh, maybe a little too interesting for some stake. But yeah. hopefully it's going to be a little more boring for your sons. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I hope that you guys have enjoyed this podcast. Again, it's your uh, dose of rational conservatism in an increasingly irrational world. <laughs>